0: today on Laura Lin and Friends. And Pfizer states in their submission that the evidence demonstrates that the probability of developing COVID-19 increases over time post dose two. That means once you're injected, your likelihood of developing COVID-19 increases versus if you remain uninjected.
1: Hello and everyone, (laughs) welcome to the last days. It's good to be with you. Uh, we've had to kind of restart today to get everything right because we don't want to give any information that we shouldn't have had out there. So we're deleting everything else. I know some of you are just logging back on as fast as we can, uh, get back on your here. Um, so I will reread the verse that I found in my dad's Bible. He passed away just over a year ago and I love reading. There's many verses on this one page that are, um, underlined, but, um, I'm choosing this one, Psalms 20 verse seven. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Save Lord, let the King hear us when we call. And God does hear us when we call. And I just, uh, I'm just so grateful that. We can put our hope and our trust in who God is at these uh, terrible hours. I want to bring on our guests right away today, um, Allison Payovich and um, Sheila Lewis. Uh, Sheila Lewis is uh, hopefully one of these days going to get a transplant in Alberta, uh, but there's been some difficulties with it. So Sheila, we have had you on the show before, and I'm wondering how you're doing and if you can give us a little bit of an update on what's going on for those that have not seen your previous interview?
2: Um, Well, it started um, way back in 2020. And then 2021, I was told I needed a vaccine in order to stay on the transplant list. I was on status two, (coughs) excuse me. I was on status two on the donor list to receive hopefully a transplant. Um, then the doctors told me I had to get the vaccine and there was a lot of thought process that went into this over the vaccine. It wasn't as simple as taking it or not taking it. So I decided to take it to court. Um, I got a lawyer and, uh, we took it to court. We lost in the first court, uh, in the first court case. Um, they put a gag order on me where I can't speak about, or the name of the organ. I can't talk about uh, the name of the doctors or the location of the hospital. And so then we lost that case and we took it to the appeal, to the appeal board. Um, we appealed the decision and the same thing happened there. Uh, they did not uh, and would not overturn. The decision, so they said they could not and, or didn't know if they could, uh, rule on the medical, a uh, medical decision, I guess, A. Allison. And therefore, we lost the appeal in the appeal court. So our next step is, uh, the Supreme Court of Canada. And hopefully, we make it there. In the meantime I'm deteriorating and I'm getting a lot worse and
1: uh, uh,
2: yeah so that's where we're at now
1: yeah so that is uh, a very difficult thing Um, Allison I'll bring you in Uh, you've been fighting for a long time Um, is there any good news or, or what can you tell us is there any hope here um, of course, we want to stand and believe that this fight is going to bring um, health and a good report for uh, Sheila. But what, what are you reporting on today? Well,
3: I mean, unfortunately, we've had uh, two very difficult, uh, devastating losses uh, in the Alberta courts. Um, so the next step legally is to file an application for what's called leave to appeal to the Supreme Court of Canada, where we make our case that this case is um, important on a national scale and ask the Supreme Court to hear it. Um, Ms. Lewis is correct in that uh, not all not all cases, most cases, don't get heard by the Supreme Court. But they take the ones that they, that they would like to um, you know make new law, and we're hopeful that they will take this case. Unfortunately, um, as with any appeal process, it does take time, and um, you know Sheila's health is declining. So um, we will we will press on, and we will press forward, and we will keep fighting for her in the courts. Uh, you know we are hopeful that we get expedited appeal. I, I'm not sure. Um, how fast it could be done, but we will try our best if we get what's called leave to appeal, if they want to hear the case. And what we've also been doing is um, raising awareness in in the public sphere about what's happened with Sheila and her case. And the more people that hear about what has happened to her, um, the more outrage there has been, uh, certainly in Alberta and uh, it looks like um, Premier Daniel Smith has publicly made a statement that she's seeking a second opinion on, on Sheila's particular case. So uh, don't know anything else other than that, but it certainly is the first step um, in potentially uh, getting something going here in Sheila's favour. So we are uh, very hopeful and grateful that the Premier is interested in Sheila's case. And uh, certainly this you know would have implications for others who are waiting for transplants. And so we have been fighting for, for Sheila, but there are many others who have reached out to the Justice Centre uh, who are also uh, facing the same fate, as in they are waiting for a transplant, but have been told if you don't get the COVID-19 vaccine, you are going to be put at the bottom of the list or removed entirely. And this is happening not just in Alberta, but in other transplant centers across the country. So um, we are still in this fight and we will stand with Sheila uh, as, as, as long as it takes.
1: You know and it's not just transplants but uh, there there's so many cases you know I could you know all the emails that I get from people who are having problems in this way uh, but there was a gentleman who needed an emergency um, eye operation because he had a detached retina, and this was in Ontario, and they would, not, uh, they would not do it unless he agreed to take the vaccine immediately, and he would not, and fortunately it was resolved by a pastor writing a very well-written um, religious exemption, and he was able to get that um, operation, but those stories seem to be few and far between I'm concerned definitely that we have got, uh, we have got a real, um, ba- basically they are discriminating against those who hold to bodily autonomy and in spite of all of the information coming out regarding the vaccines. And I'm wondering, Allison, is that able to be presented in court as to why it's a concern to Sheila that she does not want to take this vaccine?
3: we have made uh, valiant efforts at both levels of court to, um, we've put the evidence in. So the uh, lower court judge had the expert reports from two immunologists, one of whom is a vaccinologist, makes vaccines for a living, and he's also a virologist. Uh, One of the immunologists is is award-winning, and they presented very compelling, in our view, Data, uh, raw data and peer-reviewed studies on the fact that there have been more reported deaths and injuries from the COVID vaccines in the United States and Europe than from all other childhood vaccines combined for the last 30 years. They've also presented a Japanese biodistribution study that Pfizer submitted to the Japanese government, and that revealed, and this is in their expert evidence, that The spike protein, which our experts uh, evidence is, they say it's inflammatory, uh, travels to the organ that my client needs. And they are very concerned that that would be dangerous for her awaiting a transplant to have that in her body. And so what we really try to assert uh, in the courts is that this is not a criteria such as lose weight Uh, you know, stop drinking, stop smoking, stop doing drugs, very, very reasonable and important criteria for anyone awaiting any kind of transplant. This is a requirement to take a new vaccine that is not even finished the clinical trial stage. We really wanted the court to understand that these vaccines are still in that clinical trial stage where the uh, companies are testing them for safety and efficacy And so that makes it different than these other criteria, which you can't argue that it's a bad thing or it could be a bad thing that somebody lose weight. Of course, that's going to be good for you. But here we have this very unknown situation where we don't have long-term safety data. And so we had those expert reports before the courts, but unfortunately, the way that the legal test is framed, and this is the the Charter of Rights um, and the Bill of Rights, what happens is we have to show first that the Charter even applies. And in our strong view, the Charter applies because one of the parties who has this vaccine mandate is the Alberta Alberta government. Alberta Health Services has the vaccine mandate, and they are part of the Alberta government. And the court disagreed and found that because Alberta Health Services, even though it's government, was just following the doctor's policy, which was already in place, therefore, the charter doesn't apply, and we strongly disagree with that legal finding, but it is what it is, it's what they found, and because they made that finding, they didn't get to the part of the test that looks at the science, and that is extremely frustrating. Because this is very important and compelling scientific evidence that, in our view, a court needs to weigh, needs to consider when uh, making a decision which is going to affect the life of our client and other uh, transplant candidates' uh, lives across the country.
1: Yes, and it's very hard to understand with all of the the evidence that's come out and with people that are specifically speaking to Sheila's uh, situation that... The courts would not. Um, it, it goes to our culture right now, which is completely uh, blind. You know, should anyone perchance cause vaccine hesitancy? You know, uh, we have people in our culture like Matthew Good. Um, he, you know, he, um, he, had, you a band know, he had a bad many years ago, many and years he's ago, able, to, and tell he's able entire, to tell the entire um, um, audience. You know, that's there to see him play in two different places. That freedom fighters, basically, which are people that that fight for bodily autonomy and other um, of our Charter of Rights and Freedoms in this country. But he's able to say to them um, that the freedom fighters should be taken, uh, flown to Congo and teens with AK-47s should shoot them. So he can say things like this, and we can have the Toronto Star put all kinds of things on the front cover of one of their things, just completely talking about let let the unvaccinated die and so we have a culture that is discriminating and bullying a certain group who in looking at the facts have every right to decide that this is not what they want to take uh myself and all of my friends have all had covid and we survived just fine thank you and we don't feel that we need to participate in anything else um i do also have like i have a clip of uh some Uh, information from doctors uh, real doctors and also people that are doing embalmers and I I don't know uh, would it be okay to play that or Allison do you have any reservations about that it's a clip from a a recent documentary on the harms that are happening it's fairly short
3: Uh, I haven't seen the clip so I'm not sure what you're referring to but um, is it what is it called
1: yeah, it's uh, it's actually a clip out of the recent documentary "Died Suddenly," and I'm going to be having Karen Kingston on right after you to discuss some of the um, findings of that. Uh, but it is uh, it's basically doctors talking about what they have found and what's going on with the vaccine.
3: Yeah, I mean, if, if you want to play, of course, the, those doctors were not part of our court case, but um, yes. go ahead if that's what
4: you want to do. Yeah, let's have a look. Some of that's it's from a carotid there. artery and also some veins. So, Back around November of last year of 2021, people were asking me, well, how many people are having these strange clots? And I didn't have a very good answer for it. So in starting in November, I started making notations of whether or not the person was um, clotted or not, or vaccinated. My green is people that have been verified are vaccinated. Yellow typically is somebody that has smaller clots. And the orange is somebody that had more significant clots, the clots that are uh, really kind of concerning to me. I have it dated for the quarter. I mean, numbered by the quarter. So the entire quarter, I had about 130. Yeah, only thir- almost 14 percent had no significant clotting. Um, a lot of the substances that I'm seeing are stuff that looks pretty much. It's this white fibrous stuff. Now, instead of calling them blood clots, I try to refer to them as white fibrous clots or white fibrous structures. How come, all of a sudden, these things are happening in so many people? When I first started seeing these strange uh, clots, uh, in the beginning, I thought, you know, this is kind of weird, it's kind of crazy, I I don't understand. As I started gathering more and more photographs, I'm able to share it amongst other people that I work with. I talk to other embalmers that have 30, 40, even 50 years of experience. My end was about three months ago.
5: Been struggling to embalm people for around about 18 months. My embalmer was complaining that he was having trouble getting fluid through people. And the way they do that is they cut into the um, carotid artery and they pump it around the body via a pump. He was struggling to get it through and we kind of thought, well, maybe the pump wouldn't and had a look at it, it doesn't. Pulled this out and he kind of grabbed the end with the tweezers and this comes out in one piece, one elastic piece. It, it looks like um,
1: calamari. Longest one that I have on video is probably almost three foot long, which is incredible to come out of the, You know, the juggler up here. It's just, it's incredible. That is not normal. So, so basically, um, on this epic, uh, documentary that's come out, they've got real evidence of what's happening. And when Peter... McCullough, doctors that are world famous um, are putting everything on the line, are being attacked, are, you know, um, being, you know, hauled up and and their credibility being uh, absolutely assaulted because they feel that they need to be honest about what's happening. It just is shocking that the courts are trying to enforce that anyone who needs any medical procedure in our country should have to take one of these shots. I I thought it was my body, my choice.
2: And it's supposed to be our choice. But no longer is it our choice, obviously.
1: I'm sure but, you feel that way, um, yeah. Sheila, that it... You're, you're being given the most difficult uh, choice I, I've really ever seen, um, somebody having to decide whether they get a life-saving medical treatment or take a shot that is having some very bad effects in our society.
2: Yes, it is. And it's not a choice
1: that I made lightly
2: either. It took me a long time and a lot of research and a lot of looking into things to come to the decision that i did but the biggest one um, that i had in my mind was when this vaccine came out and the alberta government put in a million dollar lottery on this vaccine so anybody that was to get the vaccine their name was going to go into a i guess a drum or whatever uh was going to go into the lottery and somebody was going to win a million dollars and i have never seen. A lottery on a vaccine before get it you might win a million bucks well there was lots of different scenarios that made me choose to back away from it and that was the biggest one but when i decided uh, to reach out and try to get help to see if somebody would help me and take this to court and allison and her team picked up picked up the case um I was very, very thankful, very blessed for it. But now we have new hope. Uh, After the two courts that shut us down, uh, the Premier uh, had come out with a piece the other day, I noticed, uh, and she spoke about the case. So there's kind of a new hope. Uh, She's looking into the case. And uh, where she goes from here, I don't know, but at least it gives us some hope. Too, at least she's getting noticed by the premier.
1: Absolutely, uh, uh, so Danielle me, Smith could could maybe give give you you know you know if she would really take this on, that would be very heroic on her part and really show her care for for citizens if she would have this looked into.
2: That she's looking into it, and and it would yes, one hundred percent. But it certainly gives some kind of renewed hope again where yes. i lost it um after the appeal board they shut it down again i kind of lost that hope but now um there's a lot of attention um coming on with this there's a lot of great canadian people that are reaching out uh and contacting me whether it's through facebook uh, messenger um they wrote very very nice um inbox messages to me of prayers and hope and there's a lot of people you know paying close attention to this but there's a lot of people that need the help just as bad as I do and it's a fight for everybody
1: well Sheila we're going to be we're going to be keeping you in our prayers and uh, praying that that justice will come to you in your life uh, and and Allison I'll give Thank you me. the last word on this um, as you look forward Uh, you will be going to the Supreme Court then? Well,
3: what we are definitely doing is filing an application for leave to appeal, but unlike at the Alberta Court of Appeal level, where we we get to, to do that, we get to appear, you don't automatically have a right to go to the Supreme Court. You have to ask their permission through a special application, and you have to convince them that your case is of national importance. So we will be doing that, and what they decide to do is it's in their hands. But we certainly we certainly hope that, um, that they will see this as of national importance. We certainly do, not just for Sheila's sake, but for all the other um, people across the country who are similarly waiting for transplants and do not want to uh, have to take a vaccine that is still in clinical trials.
1: Well, it's an absolutely shocking time in history to be facing this and um, the whole issue of blood transfusions as well is beginning to be seen where people would like to have clean um, unvaccinated blood as well and this is also something that needs to probably be taken to the Supreme Court at some point. Thank you both of you for coming on and we will be watching very carefully and perhaps we can have... um, another update once you know what happens with your, your case moving forward. Thank you, Allison. Thank you, Sheila. You're
2: welcome. Thank you so much Thanks for having me. Here. You're welcome.
1: All right, well, I'd like to invite now Karen Kingston to the show. Uh, many of you know her. She's a household name around here, and uh, she's been on the Stu Peter Show uh, numerous times and is basically standing up uh, speaking out as loudly as she can on some of the same issues that we cover here every single day. So, Karen, thank you for waiting in the background and thanks for uh, being with us here today. You've got some sort of uh, things that you're dealing with that are very critical right now.
0: Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. I've uh, well, I recently launched my, my my Substack, so I think people. You may have heard of me. I've done some interviews over the last year and a half or so, and um, you know a lot of things have been challenged. But once you see in writing for your own eyes uh, the Pfizer's documents and our federal government's documents and links to them directly uh, to verify it, you know the documentation uh, typically ends in you know NIH.gov, FDA.gov, you know, or you know Pfizer.com it's hard to refute the evidence that these were designed to cause um, mild to moderate uh, disease, injury, disabilities, uh, and death. Um, so, so, that's, um, so now that this has, now that I've been able to put the evidence forward in a way that people are able to see it with their own eyes, um, it's, it's caused uh, quite a stir, I would say, um, with a lot of alternative hypotheses as to um, what's causing you know, disease, disabilities, and death from the injections. Some of it is, oh, well, they didn't know the spike protein was going to be bad. It was an accident. Maybe the vials were contaminated, um, but no, this, this was um, absolutely well established. They knew they, um, Pfizer, the FDA, NIH, CDC, um, all were very well aware of the intended consequences to um, injure, disable, and um, murder uh, adults and chil- children with these injections.
1: So what, Karen, it's just so shocking, I mean, to think that, that somebody would do this to humanity intentionally. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where, uh, we get called names and, and those that do not wish to, you know, believe any of this and will not even take the time to look at some of the data and the evidence out there. Uh, this is their fight is this just couldn't be, but, Mm -hmm. but you're saying that it is clear that they knew that there were harms and they didn't care enough to stop at all?
0: It's, it's, it's clearly evident. Um, and and what, what has happened is that the, whether it's the FDA or Pfizer, um, you know, those in the know, wh- what they did was they, they looked at um, clinical outcomes which were clearly debilitating disease, disabilities and death. Um, they looked at bioweapon technology, and they called them something different to the global population in Americans. So you know, on October 22nd of 2020, the FDA met with industry um, and the Center for Biologics Evaluations Research, which is part of the FDA and the NIH. And you know these documents was part of what you know, HHS had as well here in the United States. And they met and they listed out, on October 22, 2020, all of the consequences, the clinical consequences of the mRNA injections. And, and that list include Guillain-Barre syndrome. It included uh, myelitis, which is inflammation of the spinal cord, encephalitis, which is inflammation of the brain, heart attack, pericarditis, myocarditis, Kawasaki syndrome, uh, systemic inflammatory syndrome, autoimmune disease, uh, it included death as one of one of the uh, serious adverse events. Um, it included uh, stroke. It included seizures, other neurological dysfunctions. So typically, you know, if the FDA met, you know, before a phase three trial or during, and they, you know, the, the industry, the manufacturer gave them a heads up on the reactogenicity side effects, that would normally be fever, headache, aches, and pains. Well, no, these were serious autoimmune disease disabilities and death. And they decided to call it, you know, uh, reactogenicity, like mild adverse events. And, and, and so they knew, right? And then, and then so, so what happened is in that study, I think people can read this on, on that, the substack, right? On the November 20th submission from Pfizer to the FDA, you know, they stated 409 people came down with severe COVID in the injection group within one week of getting the first or second dose. So that included being hospitalized from um, respiratory failure, heart failure, kidney failure, neurological and neurological dysfunction. And Pfizer said, well, you know, we're not, it probably was, it was probably an adverse event from the vaccine or it could have, you know, but we don't know. Um, so we're just not gonna count it. Uh, and, and then in that same submission, there were hundred children ages 12 to 15 years of age who had reactogenicity uh, reactions. So That's what I just talked about. That's heart inflammation, heart attacks, neurological disorders, epilepsy. By the way, in that in study for six months of four-year-old children, uh, there was at least a dozen children who had um, uh, chronic epileptic fits more than six to 12 times a day, a permanent damage to their neurological function. So They knew this was happening. But anyway, in that November 20th submission, Pfizer called it reactogenicity, saying it wasn't favorable and so Pfizer said, don't disclose it to the people. You know, and so you know, if you just skimmed over it, you'd think, okay, well, too many kids got a fever and muscle aches. So they said, don't disclose it. No, too many kids ended up in the hospital or maybe even died and they covered it up. So that's criminal that they even move forward with the investigation. Um, so it, it's, all, it's all criminal. There, there's, no, there's no gray area. And, you know, and if you look at the November 20th submission, it's very different then you know what you what the public's been given as far as like a package insert. It, it says in the November 20th submission under uh, pharma, pharmacology that they don't know how their mRNA injection protects against SARS-CoV-2. So they're saying we don't even, we don't even know how it works. Like it's, we don't it's not going to produce antibodies. And I know it doesn't produce antibodies because the inventors say it doesn't. But then when you look into the manufacturing section of that um, submission. They clearly describe their mRNA technology as a technology that substitutes um, nucleosides or nucleotides, so codon substitution within the genome through um, uh, translation, uh, through reverse transcription and translation. That is the definition of a gene editing technology. You know, when you start doing um, nucleotide substitutions, that's genetic mutation that can cause permanent changes to the cell. That causes permanent changes to the cell's genome and also. Uh, can have severe impacts on one's health. S- so they decided to take that out. So, so my point is everything's been based on fraud, Laura, right? So they, fraud is, it's, it's another word for lying. It's another word for gaslighting, right? Um, it's, not that they, it's not even that the Pfizer uh, covered up or didn't submit to the FDA the evidence that these are gene editing technologies. They're not therapies because therapies treat or cure a disease. It says in their filings that these cause COVID-19. Their September, I think it's September 27th or September 18th filing. If you look at my substack, it's September 18th or September 27th. It clearly states that, you know, the FDA, after they approved Pfizer on August 23rd, they said do a post hoc analysis, more than six month follow-up. And in people that were originally injected um, for 10 months, they had about a seven or 8% infection rate. And then they injected the placebo group who had about a four and a half month follow-up and they had just over a 5% infection rate. And Pfizer states in their submission that the evidence demonstrates that the probability of developing COVID-19 increases over time post dose two. That means once you're injected, your likelihood of developing COVID-19 increases versus if you remain uninjected. There's not a gray area in interpreting that because they literally compared the originally injected group to the group that had gone for uh, six months without being injected, the placebo group, they injected them. Then that group started developing COVID, which had not developed COVID during the time that they were uninjected. There's not a gray area. It causes the disease. This is all based on fraud.
1: And you know, that rings true for something that uh, a story that i heard on my travels up through northern canada after they had in uh, you know vaccinated the um injected the first nations uh people they hadn't had any covid all of a sudden within no time at all uh people were dropping dead of covid after the vaccine rollout in this small community and people are livid but they're afraid to speak out
0: well, I I I think people are afraid to speak out because they've been gaslit, right? I mean, we've been gaslit by our government, we've been gaslit by our healthcare workers, you know, and you know, you're saying like people are like, well, we don't believe that evil people would be that evil in the world. And, you know, at the end of the day, World War II happened and innocent people were exterminated because law abiding citizens at the end of the day and, and policemen, right? Uh, this was most of the um, most of the people were put onto trains from local policemen. They they were willing to um, participate in the murder of their fellow citizens, and that's what's happened here, right? So I mean, our our family practitioner, our pediatrician, our nurses, right, who are injecting people—they're seeing these serious adverse events. But what is happening? There is huge financial incentives given to them. They're in a group of people where they're all repeating the same lie. So they're part of a club that they don't want to be ostracized from. And they would rather, you know, uh, take the risk of of harming you and your children, you know, in in exchange for financial gain and the assurance from their group of medical professionals and the government that says, just keep going along with the lie. No one's going to stop us. You get money and power and other people are going to suffer. But you know what, it's gonna happen anyway, so it's better them than you. And they think they're gonna get away with bowing to this evil tyranny at no cost. That's what's happening.
1: That's exactly right. And people are shouting it from the hilltops, very well-known, experienced, educated professionals, expertise, you know, experts in their, their field are shouting, this from the rooftops and yet we have a whole part of society mainstream media refusing to report people being silenced being shut down um it's the greatest psyop of all time yeah yeah
0: absolutely i mean and there there's an ex- expression in the legal system which is the, the best lawyer wins in court right and so i mean i i've you know i've been through a lot you know i can tell you in corporate uh, sabotage cases it's not like you know, if intellectual property theft and you catch the company stealing the intellectual property, they don't go okay. You caught us. They they keep repeating their lies. They have their experts repeat their lies. They have their board. They have their head of R and D. You know, and and so I I appreciate every expert that is you know getting the truth out there and um you know has the credibility and trust of of the, of Canadian citizens and Americans and global citizens. Uh, you know. But at the end of the day, in a court of law, here's the thing if you go with experts, then the best liar is gonna win in court. So you you need to go with evidence. You know, and, and and I would have I mean that attorney that was just on, if she if she goes to the substack I just wrote, the uh, intended consequences, right? And it's Karen Kingston's Substack. You can submit that in a court of law. It states, those are Pfizer's documents stating this is going to cause severe disease. The FDA stated on November 20th. We've never authorized or approved a vaccine ever in history that doesn't prevent severe disease because they could see in the documents this was causing severe disease, yet they authorized it. I don't know if someone wants to scroll down, but the, the, the documentation is there, you know, and then the inventors, you can kind of see their image there. That's Barney Graham from the NIAID. And if you were to click on his name there, you don't have to do it now. You can go to the patent that he filed with the NIAID that was licensed for these vaccines. So him and Jason McClellan invented this. Um, the, they invented the. Um, that, just sh- that was just further evidence that you can see that the inventor of the spike protein that's produced by the mRNA injections or the alleged spike, you know, we're calling the spike protein, was invented by Barney Graham, and then there's Jason McLean and other inventors there. So it is a licensed technology, but it's not meant to, to uh, 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 produce antibodies. So if you pause right here, this was published in Science Magazine in February 2020. What they talk about is the N, the 2019 Enco virus. So that's the term our government uses for, originally used for SARS-CoV-2 virus. The SARS-CoV-2 virus allegedly produces this spike protein in the body. So what Barney and Jason did was they took cells, infected it with the SARS-CoV-2 virus, 2019 ENCOVE, They extracted a spike protein. They weaponized it with what they're calling a 2-proline mutation, which has synthetically recreated toxins in it. Okay. And they made it, essentially a weapon. How do we know this? Because Barney and Jason basically tell us this in their publication. On the right-hand side, there's a chart where they said, does this new biosynthetic creation we made, because remember those those prolines that are put in there, they state they're synthetic. What's being produced in people's bodies is not a biological spike protein. Jason and uh, Barney Graham state, these are synthetic prolines. That means they're not organic. They don't come from the human body. How is our body producing something that's not biological? That's a good question to ask too. So this biosynthetic spike protein with the two SPs binds beautifully to all the A2 receptors in your heart, lungs, and kidneys. And they even state better than the original SARS-CoV-2 spike protein. And your A2 receptors are also in your endothelial cells, which line your blood vessels. So they're like, well, it's great at binding and causing inflammation. And then what did Barney and Jason do? from The US NIAAD and from the University of Texas. That was when Jason was there. They synthetically recreated antibodies to coronaviruses, including SARS CoV 2 and the variants and the Hong Kong variant and MERS, right? So, all and, and SARS CoV 1. So, they produced the antibodies that would neutralize the virus. And what did they do? They tested it against their weaponized spike protein that's produced by the vaccines and it's flatlined. What does that mean, Laura? The, the antibodies that a human body produces to any coronavirus bounces off the spike protein like bullets to Superman. So if no biologically created antibody can bind and neutralize this weaponized spike protein, what exactly is it? It's a bioweapon. That's what it is. Absolutely This is shocking. their documents. This, and then the FDA says yeah, it looks like this causes severe disease. We've never approved anything like this before. And I am very frustrated at any attorneys who defend this concept that the FDA can redefine what's called a vaccine, right? First of all, they they can't. They can they, they cannot, you know, they can't just make up new terms, which is what they've been doing. But even if they did, the indication for Comirnaty and, you know, I assume Moderna, but is to prevent Coronavirus-19, COVID-19 disease, as a result of infection from SARS-CoV-2 virus. So that's the indication. Well, the Pfizer and FDA's conclusion from September of last year was, if you get two shots, you're going to develop the disease. So it doesn't even meet their new made-up standard that a vaccine is anything that prevents disease, when their conclusion is it causes disease. So I understand that there is a lot of chaos, if you will. There's a lot of questioning of people's credibility. Um, the, um, there's a lot of shocking evidence that's coming out you know, that is, truly seems unbelievable, like and Died Suddenly. You know, those blood clots truly seem unbelievable because they go against anything we've seen in the history of humanity. But they're not without scientific justification and they're not without explanation. And the explanation is premeditated malicious intent. And there is a term in uh, the law here in the United States called, we've all heard of fraud. you know, Obviously, and I was just stating how the approvals were based on fraud. That means that there, there's, there's false misrepresentation done in the actual crime itself. Well, there's another thing called extrinsic fraud. And that's when a, a party of individuals, so it could be an entire nation of people, are are presented or, or or falsely you know it's falsely misrepresented to them facts and law, so that they become unaware and ignorant of the fact that a crime has been brought against them and committed upon them, and that they have any legal standing to move forward with a trial or a case a case and then a trial, and and so that's what's happening in regards to the gaslighting um, as far as many experts that we've been trusting is we are, they are falsely misrepresenting a lot of evidence and the law, at least in the United States, the FDA approval did happen, so that the you know American people, they're thinking, well, there was no real crime brought against us, so there's nothing we really can do. That is called extrinsic fraud, and it typically has to be a coordinated effort um, with multiple individuals, and it's not uncommon. And it's, def- it's not uncommon in the court system of the United States, and I can tell you from you know, personal experience is not uncommon from, uh, in, in family law. Many times people are not told what their rights are. Uh, they're, they're, you know, and they're also told they don't have the right to certain information when they actually do. And, and that's what's been happening as well, you know. So th- this, these vaccines were never demonstrated to be safe or effective in any population, period.
1: And I I think the hardest part is trying to convince those that are not on our side, because we seem to have the great divide right now. Um, those who are willing to listen to the evidence that you're putting forward and from died suddenly. And then there's this entire group completely blinded. Don't even know about the the video died suddenly. Um, if, if you all haven't seen it, you need to see it. And I think we can put a link in the uh, description today, but, um, When when you have clip after clip after clip of people talking about depopulation, for instance, um, it's it's not beyond um, the realms that the people who actually create vaccines and the wealthy uh, would would create something. And in fact, they have the clip of uh, Bill Gates talking about reducing the population. This is not this is from their own mouths.
0: Yeah, Bill Gates specifically says about reducing the population with the use of vaccines. You know, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation uh, is a huge sponsor of all all the research that's gone into this. Uh, they're also a sponsor of a lot of the um, propaganda media outlets. They're a huge sponsor of social media. You, you know, they partners with Facebook, um, which is now Meta which I think owns pretty much every social media platform. So, yeah, it's not that it's um, it, it's just it's just a very it's very difficult for people to acknowledge that evil exists in, in, in the world and I mean and something like um, you know Jordan Jordan Peterson you know um, who I've I, I followed a lot actually during the lockdowns he was a student of his when he gave his lectures at University of Toronto but you know he says paraphrasing Carl Jung um, you know if you don't acknowledge that evils in the world you're going to be annihilated to the exact level of your naivete and I mean that's to an extent that's that's true, you know, and, and and keep in mind, I think people who have, who know of Jordan Peterson, you know, he was persecuted because he refused to allow, uh, to go along with people wanting to create new gender uh, identification terms, right? And he was like, do whatever you want in your private life, But if you're going to, to you know, make it a law that I, I use terminology, that's, you know, false i mean it's just not true these are new this is not there there's a man and a woman right there's two genders that's it so you can't you know make it a crime for me to you know speak accurately of, of what the truth is and you know he had talked about that's the beginning of tyranny and who who would have thought how much foresight he had had coming but he truly did And to that i say look you know i almost think that the gender um test was a psychological and social test on north america because if they can convince us to go along and say that there's no difference between a man and a woman, right? And now we, don't, now we say there's no difference, then they can convince us of anything, like a vaccine or a bioweapon yeah. is a vaccine, right? So if we can't Sorry. even understand the difference between a man and a woman, mm-hmm. how God created each of us individually, I mean, it's not like basic biological information that you know in your body. Yeah. So once they convince us of that, we'll believe any lie. And, like I said, believe yeah.
1: and, and now it's progressing to the furries and Canadian schools putting kitty litter boxes into the, the bathrooms, so that it's not just the kids that identify as a different gender, but they now identify as a cat. And this is for real. And the schools it's, literally putting kitty litter boxes into the schools. And if that doesn't show that we've lost our way, I don't know what does.
0: It, it, it's perverse, and uh, you know. Again, I think people know I'm, I, I'm a Christian. Before evil, the devil, Satan can deceive. Before he can destroy, he must deceive. Um, so the, the concept of creating chaos, you know, um, and ha- having um, people not understand basic information, basic foundations of truth, is the beginning of of tyranny and um, enslavement, and um, you know, uh, uh, of people, you know, and, and abuse of them, abuse of them on a mass level, uh, because if you can't articulate, you know, uh, who you are, what has happened to you, and why it is wrong, then you can't you you can't be helped, and you can't convince others. And so that's why they that's that's why they call a bioweapon a vaccine. That's why they call something in clinical trials that was proven to cause disease, disabilities, and death safe and effective, and 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 then you know discredited uh, anyone that said anything different, right? Um, you have to be able to articulate again who you are, what has been done to you, right, and 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 why it's wrong. And you need those fundamental truths. And my background in, in pharmaceuticals is that you know things are right and wrong, not based on anyone's opinion, no matter how world-renowned they are. It's based on what was submitted to the FDA. What does that data say? It doesn't matter if you've got the world-renowned, you know, infectious disease expert who invented a hundred different therapies, right, say that this is the vaccine or it's safe and effective. That doesn't hold any water in a court of law. It's what the document says. And, and we need to go back to evidence and, and inalienable given rights. Go on, Laura, sorry.
1: Right, and, and I'm glad you kind of mentioned your background because uh, I'm aware of you and I've seen you speak uh, personally and I've met you, uh, but, but some people might not know, you know, what brings you to this fight and what is your background?
0: Uh, my, my background is I've been in pharmaceuticals for 25 years and um, started off at Pfizer, actually in sales in Manhattan and quickly went to the, the marketing side and um, you know, had a series of, of very quick promotions and whatnot. And I, I had my own firm uh, beginning in uh, the late 2000s. Um, so uh, I, I, do, I was a, a med legal consultant and a biotech analyst and a marketer. Uh, you know, and at the end of the day, you know, my job is to effectively communicate, uh, take complex scientific information and effectively communicate it to doctors and then also to effectively communicate it to consumers and patients. But it must be in compliance with two things, one, the, the laws, uh, you know, uh, communication laws and Food and Drug Consumer Protection Act and, 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 and those regulatory environment, and it has to be compliant with what was actually submitted to the FDA. So as I watched this whole media circus unraveled, there were so many things that were a red flag uh, that I went and looked at the phase three submissions, because that's what all your claims, what we call claims, what you cannot say is based on. And when I read this data, I mean, I, I was appalled. Uh, and oh, uh, it clearly, you know, that, that's what had happened. So that that's my, that's my background. And uh, what caused me to speak out was, um, was when they announced that they were gonna go after the children, you know, without um, without backing down at all. So that they were gonna go after the authorization for the 12 to 15 year old children. Uh, I knew that this wasn't um, some huge misunderstanding where they just authorized a vaccine for, you know, kind of a, for the, vul- for the what they call the vulnerable population. I, I knew that this was something that was, um, you know, Uh, malicious, uh, had malicious intent and and was evil in nature. Uh, Because children under the age of 15, um, whether or not you believe there's a virus that causes not, they never, no no evidence they ever got infected, no evidence children ever infected another person either. Uh, And in the United United States, what's interesting is in 2020, there was uh, only seven children hospitalized with the flu in the year 2020. Now, typically, Laura, that number is uh, around 30,000. So this was a giant. Um, it, you know, you can call it a psyop, you can call it gaslighting, you can call it extrinsic fraud.
1: Right, and and we've so. seen the 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 Bill Gates um, clip now of him saying, well, if if we had to realize that it really wasn't going to be uh, the big death count that we thought, and it was really more like more like just a flu. You know, um, a little late, they did all kinds of modeling that has been wrong, but they've certainly rolled out the vaccines and continue to insist that they're safe and effective despite all data and science coming out and they're, they're, uh, mistreating the unvaccinated now. Um, it's reminiscent of other times in history when very bad things happen because you segregate a certain population. And in this case it's those with a lot of sense and common sense and who actually looked at the science. So we've got a big problem.
0: I I agree. We do. We, we have a problem because too many leaders that we have trusted as well though, um, and our local community leaders, you know, whether it's a local school board, or, you know, and the teachers, and I, 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 the, this this truth is hard to, to face, you know, and your local doctors and pediatricians, There's, they can see these injections cause injuries and death. I mean, it's obvious. We all know someone that's been injured, you know, but because of this collective group think that's going on within, I would say not not across the nation, but within their groups, you know, and their and the financial incentives that people are willing um, to inflict suffering on other people or risk risk the fact that other people are going to suffer in exchange for the comfort of keeping their jobs and the financial incentives and and them saying look we're you know the government gave us a get out of jail free card even if any of this stuff is true, which I doubt it is, you know, because we're all talking to each other. So we've got it covered, but it's, it's a very sad state of, of, of these people's souls, right? Because they have to know that you can't not know died suddenly is out there, but we are also seeing this. They know that people are suffering from these injections and yet they're going against what their conscious is telling them is wrong because of the comfort that they're getting in the material world and and in their local community acceptance, you know, with the groups that they're within. I've been, I'm ostracized. I'm ostracized from so many groups, I'm ostracized.
1: I wanted to ask you like the the personal price that you've had to pay, I know we all have, um, but you're out there in a very big way, uh, really with major news centers and big, well-known people, knowing your name, knowing your face. You've paid quite a price and you continue to stand strong. And I, first of all, I just want to thank you for your courage. You're an inspiration to all of us, but tell us a bit about that. Like the, the fight is hard.
0: Um, yeah. I, so my, my heart is, this is the other thing. I do believe a lot of people also are not aware what's happening uh, as you go through these documents, you can see a lot of the technologies that are in the injections are actually made by a company called Thermo Fisher Scientific, which is the world's largest biotech company. And, and these these technologies that are in the injections and toxins is what they are, um, they're, not, they're not supposed to be in there. they're not for human use. So I think people don't recognize what's happening. And I say that because I went into the pharma biotech industry because I do, I actually love, I do love humanity. I do want to serve humanity. I've volunteered at AIDS clinics, um, you know, throughout high school and college. And it was very hard for me, you know, um, to see these people suffer and just wanting a hug, you know, because people were afraid of their lesions and things like that. So I, that's why I went into the industry. And so then when I recognized what these injections were doing and what they were going to do to the children, I realized that many parents were gonna think that they were doing the right thing and not realize that they were in essence sacrificing their children to something that like truly evil and their children would be injured or worse. They'd have to suffer the loss of their child thinking they were doing the right thing for them. And I, my heart mourned for every parent. I literally didn't know a woman could cry as hard as I did. And, and, and I then did a lot of research and put together a very well-written email with the documents from the fda with the patents and i blasted it out to every media outlet i could think of and some influencers and um one of my friend and i sent it to some friends in industry and that was probably last time i talked to them they called me afterwards they said cut it out they're like no one's gonna hire you again and you're gonna get yourself killed Th- that's what they told me i mean they, they, they they're like you cannot speak out about this because the industry had been so infiltrated with um being quiet about talking about ivermectin and i'm talking about the entire industry i'm not talking about just internal medicine or infectious disease. I'm talking about dermatology, cardiology, eye care for good and eyesight. They infiltrated the whole system and said, anyone who talks about ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, they're gone. And anyone who talks of anything negative about these injections. So what I had to do, Laura, is after I got those phone calls, I mean, I admit I was afraid for like two hours and then I was like, I mourned. I just mourned everything I was afraid to lose. I just, that's it. I just said, whatever I'm afraid to lose God, I give it to you. And when I say everything, I mean everything. And and I've I've been attacked. I'm very, very sick right now, right? So, I mean, I had to mourn the risk of everything and I lost a lot. I didn't, you know, I'm not, I didn't, I didn't even set up a fund. I didn't do, I don't sell stuff. I just, I just, I thought naively, let me get the information out there, let me get into the hands of the right people because people just don't know. And once they have the evidence which are the documents with the FDA and the patents, well then then they'll have the experts turn around and, and change course because that's what I do in the industry, right? You know I work for a big pharma company, we go through all the evidence, I rewrite everything, we get a couple you know a few hundred key doctors and key communities get them the information and we change course. That's what we do. and it never happened. But that's that. So, I so so this the, the fight is real, the sacrifice is real. But you know, anyone that's afraid to speak the truth, keep in mind, I believe as a Christian, I took an oath to protect all of God's children first and to speak the truth first, and then second to protect God's children, right? And I do that by through God's love for me, I love other people because I want I don't want the children to get harmed. So, mourn whatever you're afraid to lose. Maybe it's a friend, maybe it's. I don't know, You know, maybe it's the group of people you talk to at, at work. Come from a place of love and compassion, but like you've got to mourn whatever it is you're afraid to lose because we are all going to suffer. There's no avoiding this as long as we keep running from the truth. But if God-fearing people who love humanity are willing to make sacrifices, then we can win this. But if you run from the truth, we're you're, we're just gonna be pulled through this tyrannical evil suffering. It may be delayed, but it's coming if we don't stand behind the truth and aren't willing to risk sacrificing certain comforts um, for me, I mean, whatever. I just, you know, I've had, I've had one too many doctors tell me, say to me, you know, I can't believe you're still alive. I'm like, can you stop saying that? I, was like, like, I don't need to hear that. But yeah, yes. I mean, I've just, I've been sick, you know?
2: So, well, anyway. we're just so grateful for it.
1: Um, and, and I know you've uh, come out uh, in defense of uh, died died suddenly. And, uh, you know, one of the most compelling parts of that gripping hour and a bit uh, worth everyone watching, um, you know, besides the blood clots and the morticians worldwide talking about what's happening. But Steve Kirsch basically saying I will give $2 million or name your price. What is your price for you to come out and just have an open debate broadcasted uh, about these vaccines and no one will do it? I mean, wouldn't any, uh, you know, anyone who believes in this should go, wow, that's the easiest 2 million bucks I've ever made, but nothing. Yeah. uh, it, it, it's
0: interesting that no one took him up on that challenge because there is actually um, both in um, continuing medical education forums as well as um, just uh, non-peer reviewed meetings a thing that we call clinical crossfire. So it, it's not abnormal for experts within a specialized area to debate one another. So it's very strange that no one um, you know picked uh, you know took took Steve Kirsch up on that offer to do the debate. It, it really. Um, it, it, it is really very very strange. Yeah, so this is the subtext. So one of the key criticisms is 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 the blood clots and is that that um, the the film correlates the the manifestation of these uh, blood clots to the mRNA COVID nineteen injections, right? As well as the fact that people are dying suddenly. And the criticism is like, well, uh, there's no ev- there's no scientific evidence that these are are related. Um, and uh, I, uh, that's not true. There's absolutely scientific evidence that they're, they're related. Uh, in, in that substack you just showed, intended consequences, uh, the Pfizer and the FDA admit that this thing causes se- severe disease, right? Um, it states on October 22nd, that if you inject someone with mRNA, one of the consequences could be death. So there is correlation there. And then as far as what's con- causing these synthetic clots, uh, it's actually in their patents. If you go to Moderna's website, on their website, they've got the patent, for the mRNA um, pegylated lipids. They're called lipid nanoparticles. And they state what they are. It's a pegylated lipid, it's in the diet suddenly. It's, an, it's a phospholipid, it's a cationic lipid, by, which by the way has a, a positive electric charge. So nothing in nature, no lipid in nature has a, a positive electric charge. That's listed in their patent. It's listed on Pfizer's website. So that's a device. So it, it states, these are what's in here. And it also states in the patent that it contains hydrogel, specifically something called opal inverse hydrogel, but that doesn't matter. It's, just, it's it's an intelligent hydrogel. It's a smart hydrogel. It's a magnetic hydrogel. What does that mean? It means it's an artificial intelligent technology, an AI hydrogel. And as you go through the patent, from Moderna's website, it states, what is this opal hydrogel used for? It's used for biosynthetic Tissue engineering. That means that it's it, it's used to adsorb so the pegylated lipid nanoparticles with hydrogel in them, which is in the patent, and it's in the ingredients that were submitted to the FDA. It doesn't say hydrogel, but it says the same same lipids, and you can find that they contain hydrogel. Adsorb. So that means they attach to the cell, they merge with the cell to create basically a a hybrid cell, biosynthesis is then it uses cells within the animal's body to produce biosynthetic structures, which include cells, tissues, uh, and organs that mimic the biological structures of that animal. So these are synthetically recreated vasculature from the technology. And, and and it's read the Substack. I mean, really, I really please do because then you can see that hydrogel has been used for decades, right, to, to create biosynthetic structures. It's used in ophthalmology to create microcapillaries, right, tiny little blood vessels that are used in ophthalmic surgery that are then put into a human body. It sounds like science fiction because nobody has disclosed this information to us before. And what what has been decided by the industrial medical complex, the government, the mainstream media, and I believe actually some attorneys is that we're just going to stick with the lies. Right. We're going to call a pegylated lipid nanoparticle gene editing bioweapon, a vaccine. And they're just like, well, what if people don't believe me? Well, they've never seen this technology before. They're going to be forced to believe you. Right. Because they can't explain what else it is. And that's that's what's happening. You know, so this has all been done in the dark.
1: Right, so shocking. And you know, when you explain it so clearly and you've got a a substack, everybody needs to sign up for Karen Kingston's substack. Make sure that you're reading it regularly. You're always putting out uh, amazing things. Um, When you see this, when you see the the video, um, I did something, you know, brave even. I sent it uh, today to somebody. I sent it to two people. both have taken the vaccine and um just just you know very lovingly said you know please you know have a look um after you know after i asked if they were gonna get their booster just have a look like let's just have knowledge without knowledge the people perish and you're providing that thank you for being such a world changer in that regard and being courageous enough to put everything aside and having to grieve the, the loss of your reputation in some ways. Do you think this comes around, Karen? Are we getting closer to having a, you know, too much information so that they can't just keep hiding behind all of this? Or is this going to continue on for another 10 years, just making up excuses for all of the deaths, um, making up excuses for all of these synthetic blood clots, whatever's happening in there, like you say, What what do you predict?
0: I don't think they can continue to hide from the truth at this point. Uh, I think part of the missing link was how do we articulate who we are, what our rights are, and the crimes that have been brought against us, and why they're crimes. And I'm trying to do that with my substat. So I think it's going to be impossible for them to continue to run from this as long as people are willing to look at evidence and can look inside themselves and articulate who they are, what their unalienable God-given rights are and understand that a massive crime has been committed against them and our children. And and, and and if they can articulate it, the, the the you know the darkness has to flee in the light. But we have been unable to articulate it. And we've had people making excuses for our offenders, and it needs to stop. And whether they've done it ignorantly and negligently or intentional doesn't matter, it needs to stop and be reversed and re- be, reversed and be um, corrected. Uh, these were not safe or effective for anyone. Please read Intended Consequences. There's no evidence that these were safe and effective for any population. There in that document too, Laura, there is one child out of 77 in the teenage group, 16 to 17 year olds, who fractured his or her face and Pfizer said it wasn't from our vaccine. We know people collapse and faint and fracture their skulls, you know, and and you know their their um cranial facial structures. It's in their documents. We don't need a whistleblower. I just happen to be an expert at reading these documents and knowing where to find the information in them. You know, and it's something I Believe it or not, this is what my gift is. like I enjoy doing it. You know, God made me enjoy reading technical information. I don't know Thank why. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, that
1: is a gift. That is a gift. Yeah, not I, many of us can just pour through pages and pages of, you know, of stuff that, you know, you have to read through all of the, you know, stuff yeah. that makes no sense and it makes probably more sense to you, but to get to the actual truth of it all. And uh the,
0: the, that the is problem a gift. is people are saying we're we're seeing people collapse and, they're, and they're, they're fracturing their face, they're fracturing their skull. We don't know why this happened. We're seeing people, you know, uh, with all these neurological disorders, COVID's causing neurological disorders. We don't know why. My point is, yes, we do know why, because Pfizer submitted to the FDA showing that it was their injection that caused it. The evidence is there. So in a court of law, some, you know people can come up with excuses and jump through hoops for coincidences, right? And they, they could say, oh, well, more people came down with COVID in this population, and you're saying it's because they were injected, but it could have been because they were obese, or it could have been because the average age was over the age of 65. So they'll make these excuses. But when you're saying, this is what I'm seeing, and this is what Pfizer told the FDA was gonna happen, that's premeditated battery and murder.
1: Karen, my, my final question to you, and please say, you know, and give us anything that we haven't talked about that you want to mention, but, uh, we've seen some of these videos where people appear to be seeing things that aren't there. And so they're swatting at the air and, uh, a couple of people have ended up like being run over by a train. They literally fall back. Uh, but they seem to be seeing something and then they begin reacting to it. Do you, do you have any hypothesis on that?
0: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. So, um, as you go through the patents, um, unfortunately, um, these pegylated lipid nanoparticles um, can, uh, some of them are designed to target, they're specifically designed to cross the blood brain barrier within less than 30 minutes. Uh, And uh, that they go, that means some of them go straight to the brain. So, um, that's why you've seen some people like that nurse, like if they get injected and they start going like this, like that's, harshly. It could be because their central nervous system and their brains being hijacked. And so um, one of the people that appears to be um, a co-collaborator behind this is a man named James Giordano. James Giordano uh, is a former Marine. Uh, he has an organization that it works with uh, the central intelligence agencies in the United States, as well as with the Department of Defense, specifically the cadets at um, West Point and our Naval Academy, and he specializes in neuroweapons. Uh, he worked with President Obama in 2008 to begin to launch the Brain Initiative, which got over uh, got 4.8 billion dollars in funding in 2016 under the Cures Act. Uh, and he specifically talks about the use of lipid nanoparticle technology to hijack the nervous system of enemies of America, or even people that are you know in America, uh, to actually affect their emotions, brains, and he he has specifically said thoughts. So. Um, there is pegylated lipid, lipid nanoparticle nanopart- uh, technology that's, that's designed as a neuroweapon. weapon. And what James Giordano talks about is that these nanoparticle neuroweapons weapons that they have developed under the Department of Defense, he goes, they are so, they're weapons of mass destruction, he says. And he goes, so under the laws of chemical and biological warfare, he goes, we could never even use these on an enemy. We could never use them even on a, the civilian population of an enemy. Be, because they're so devastating. Again, these are neuroweapons using pegylated lipid nanoparticles. And James Giordano says, but let's not call them weapons of mass destruction. He goes, under the laws of medical experimentation, uh, for a routine medical experiment, we can deploy this neuroweapon technology on citizens and not need to be transparent if we partner with private industry that under intellectual property laws, they don't need to disclose what this technology is. And that's exactly what happened in America. That's why the emergency use authorization was required because an emergency use authorization under the Cures Act, which was passed by Obama in December, 2016, there is a clause about informed consent, which always needs to be given to American citizens for if they're in an experiment or if they're getting you know, even an FDA approved product, they need informed consent. But under the Cures Act, if there is an experimental product being used, informed consent does not need to be given to the human subject if it's not in the best interest of the human subject. Lord, that doesn't mean they've decided it's safe and effective or it's good for you. It just right. means they decided it's not in your interest to know. It's in alliance with the 2006 FDA guidance for animal studies where you need to euthanize an animal once they realize that they're subject of, uh, of an experiment. And that actually happens, where animals think they're getting a little treat all the time and they're all happy. And then when they start realizing that they, they're gonna be injured, there's a point where you euthanize them. And in that statement in the Obama Cures Act is more in alignment with animal ethics guidance than it is with anything to do with providing a human being, a person or a child you know, with, um, a clinical product that's meant to benefit them. And the other thing is in the United States in 2006, they passed, or 2003, they passed the PREA Act. And it's an interesting word because PREA is a law literally for um, sodomy and rape in prisons, but it stands for the Pediatric Research Equity Act. And what it says is that the FDA can give authority to a manufacturer to experiment on children for a disease they're never gonna get.
1: Wow. Wow.
0: And it's wow. not never, it's, um, it's like less than 50 children are going to get it, but you, you can justify it. Right. That was passed by our con and it's called the Praya act. The word is literally in there. Wow. The evidence it's not subtle. If you look at their documents and stop listening to the liars lie, it's not subtle. And I think it's just a matter of being able to articulate who we are, what our rights are, and the crime that's been committed, and the evidence of premeditation, because it's, it's premeditated, and all of the laws that have been violated. Because even in their made up fictitious world of these laws that they made, like the PREA Act, they even violated these extremely low standards that they have like calling a vaccine something that can prevent disease. Well, they didn't even meet that standard, Laura. They haven't even met the standards of their own darn lies.
1: When you, when you know all of this information so intimately, uh, you know, I wonder, sometimes I have a rough time sleeping at night, but I wonder how you do, because we're in a, a war uh, that, that is unthinkable, unbelievable. And so shocking. And just to look at it in the face, they're not hiding anything. And it's its here. It's upon us. It's upon humanity right now.
0: Yeah, So that's the thing. I, I agree. They're, they're really not hiding anything. But they're showing you the dead bodies. Their ha- they have the gun in their hand. And they're going, sweetheart, you're crazy. I didn't shoot anybody. I didn't. Like, that's what. That's. Right. That's. It's gaslighting. That's. What, yeah. You know, and you're like, that's a gun. They're like, this—it's not a gun. They're like, they're like, this is the new way I open my car. Like, I mean, you're like, what? Like, it's this is what is happening. So, people just need to have confidence in again, their own eyes, who they are, who God created them to be, and and evidence, you know, and and be, you know, be confident to challenge individuals or organizations that are trying to persuade you to believe something that's false. Yes. Be confident to challenge them. I, I, I'm in the United States. I'm challenging every attorney. He keeps telling me the FDA approval never happened. I'm not popular, but it did happen. Huh. The FDA approval happened for Pfizer, and it broke the EUA shield, and it's completely irrefutable. And I will, I, 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 will not capitulate to the lie that it didn't happen or that Pfizer didn't engage in manufacturing, marketing, and distribution because they did, and they still are. Which is why they got a website up with Comernati on it and their logo plastered all over it. So, wow. I'm. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's but, but the reason why is why that's so important is because, again, that's part of this extrinsic um, fraud, which is that people are believing that a misrepresentation of a fact, which is like once that approval happened, the EUA shield was broken. So now we have rights under the Food and Drug Consumer Protection Act for civil and criminal um, prosecution. But if we believe the FDA approval never happened, then we don't understand the precedent and the legal standing that we have and that's the point of extrinsic fraud is for people to not understand the legal standing that they actually have and i'm sorry but you know i don't i know we love we love some attorneys but you know that, that's it's not uncommon for attorneys to engage in extrinsic fraud it's just not the best liar wins in court it's a common expression
1: wow what a battle yeah i just thank you battle. Karen yeah. And uh, Karen Kingston uh, Substack is where people can find you because people are asking uh, um, how to to follow you. Are you also on Twitter or anything like that? Or
0: I'm on I'm on Getter. I, yeah. I, I do need to get on Twitter. By the way, Surgeon General Ladapo from Florida just tweeted out, stating that you know he reposted a bunch of celebrities who recently died suddenly, and he said, "How many more?" People, do we have to witness before doctors and scientists are going to stop defending these injections? So, we have one brave, you know, politician in America.
1: Yes, uh, amazing. Yeah. And I mean, as a doctor, and, and it but, is yeah. beginning, right? It is beginning uh, th- that more mainstream, well known people uh, are, you know, saying some things. We have a, a brave soul in Canada beginning to defend us and call into question some things that are happening. So this is very good. We also have Maxime Bernier, uh, who's a, a political leader, but you know, s- sounds the alarm and yet people just want to go to what they're used to. So we have a crisis of humanity and we all have to look deep within ourselves and and figure out and, and hear what God is saying. And I I do appreciate that about you, that you're open with your faith. And I think that, uh, your destiny has been compelled and your calling brought on by God for this time and this hour. And we sure appreciate you, Karen. I'd love to have you on again. Your, I watch everything that you're doing and we appreciate you. And I hope that you know that when you have tougher days because you're getting attacked but we appreciate you. you. Thank you for what you're doing.
0: Thank you, Laura. And I just, you know, and and thank you for your commitment to the truth as well. And, you know, if you're not going to do this for yourself, do it, do it for God's children, do it for your love of humanity, you know, Mm -hmm. share the truth. Um, The intended consequences, please read that on Substack. Please share it. Um, it, it, It's not not, um, hyperbolic. It's not inflammatory. It's not, there's nothing in there that I, I, you know, it's written a very straightforward logical way yeah and it may that's get what people i like to about
1: your work yes wonderful yeah, thank you thank you thank Karen. you so much all right take Thanks. care god bless take care thank you. That okay. is a great lady and a very brave person very very brave um we have one more guest today and this is uh regarding something that's been going on in montana and i want to just bring her uh, on right away. She's been waiting. Is she there? Oh, she's in black. Brenda, I don't know if you're, uh, just sitting there waiting for us to, oh, there you go. Okay. Let's bring her on. Uh, Brenda, thank you so much. You're basically, um, you're sort of outing a story. Uh, you're a a brave warrior in Montana. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You, uh, it's, uh, am I saying the name right? Roscoe's? Yep. You have it right. Okay, good. Good, Brenda. And, um, you're, you're sort of a brave keyboard warrior outing important stories of the day. And one has kind of fallen right into your lap and you wanted to bring it, uh, to the world because something very disturbing basically has happened with a group of freedom warriors that have been walking across the country, Christians, uh, and maybe you could give us a bit of backstory and tell us what's happened. Sure. Um, can you hear me? My
5: earphones weren't working very well. Do I sound okay? I mean, is it? I can. can I can
1: hear you. Yes.
5: Okay. Um, I am. How much time do I have? 15, 20 minutes? Sure. Sure. Give us uh, give us the, the best story, the fastest you can. I'm going to give you the, the quick rundown because this story right. is about an hour long, but it's, uh. It's pretty crazy. I, what happened was on November 12th. Okay. I'm going to give you a little background then how I hopped onto the scene. On November 12th, these missionaries were walking across Montana and I'm looking at some notes here when I'm talking to you. But, um, Jesse Boyd is a man who's about 46 years old. He's a father. He's got three kids that are 18, 14 and 20, and his 18 year old daughter and 12 year old son traveled with him quite a bit. Well, he's done mission work all over the world for about 20 years. Well, but then with the COVID nonsense going on, yes, there, you can see them there. uh, They decided, well, we're not going to sit around and wait for for foreign countries to open up Jesse. Right. So he goes, well, I'm going to, we're going to start walking across America. So in November, in uh, March of 2021, they started walking across America and they got to about 5,500 miles and they landed in a little teeny place in Madison County, Montana, in a little town, a little area called Cameron. Well, there are five of them that travel together so there's jesse you can see him and his son his 12 year old who was with him and his 18 year old daughter and her fiance who's probably 20 years old carter phillips and then he's got a another guy who travels with him named who's his partner named eric who i believe is in his 30s so there's these five traveling together well they ended up on uh, down Highway 287, a little place in Madison County, in a place ca- called Cameron, and uh, three of them will walk together, and then two of them will take another car, and they'll, they'll switch back and off carry, carrying a flag. So they carry uh, an upside-down flag, which is, you know, a symbol. Um, it tells that uh, America's in distress, which we're in great distress. <laughs> then he's got a cross, as you can see, they're a lightweight cross that they carry, and then they trade off in groups, right? And then the one girl that's with them is always with an adult man, so they, they pull over, they're waiting. So Bethany and her fiance, they're in the car, his daughter's 18 year old daughter, and they're, they're coming up, Jesse and his, his son and, and uh, the other partner, Trent, and they come to meet them. And they, uh, Bethany is pulled off on the side of the road on an easement, a legal place to pull off. And she, um, they pull off to meet up and a man who lives down that road a ways, uh, but, these guys were not on private property. They were on an easement. He pulls over with his truck and says, Hey, you guys are on private property. You have to leave, blah, blah, blah. You're gonna, you're going to, um, you know, block the way for people to get to my business. He has a fly tying shop and so forth down this little road. So they're like, no problem. We, you know, we're on legal easement here, but we'll leave. We don't have a problem with it. And he just, uh, that wasn't good enough for him that he just came unglued. So he's in his truck. And they're like, yeah, we're going to leave. I don't know if the cross set him off or what happened. And he bends over in his truck. His name is Bradley. He's this assailant acting like a victim is what happened. So he pulls, he reaches over somewhere in his truck, puts his head down and re- screams out the window. I, I'm, you know, that's it. I'm coming to, I'm, I'm coming after you. I'm going to get you wow. or something to that order so jesse the dad thinks oh my gosh this guy's got a gun so he had a gun on his hip because he's right walking down the head missionary the dad carries a gun lots of grizzly bears i mean there's animals out and so forth so he had one for protection so when this man comes charging at him this 300 pound man approximately he takes his gun and points it kind of in the general direction more down towards the ground and a guy stops immediately oh my gosh this guy's got a gun this true assailant, this Bradley's like, this guy's got a gun. So he puts the gun away. The missionary does, Jesse Boyd. And he goes, I don't want any trouble here. He hands the gun off in the holster to uh, one of his partners. Like I'm not here for trouble. Right. And, um, the guy just came unglued. You can't have a gun here in Montana. And doing all this stuff. Well, he most certainly can in any kind of self-defense because the law says you can. So pretty soon, you know, Jesse goes to the back of his rig to get some stuff put away and this man pins him, this big 300 pound man, this Bradley pins him against the back of of his truck, of Jesse Boyd's truck. And I mean, Jesse's like, the guy's literally spitting in his face, just screaming profanities, the Lord's name in vain, just lit, you can't be here, but he's like, we don't mind leaving. And uh, so Jesse pushed him to get him off of him. Well, then Bradley struck him in the face, uh, broke his sunglasses, and then it ensued. Right. So what happened was Jesse Boyd's down on the ground. This man is is much bigger than him. He's on top of him. He's kicking him to get him off. His daughter comes to his aid with her fiance Carter Bethany. Her like probably eighteen and twenty somewhere in there, trying to pull him off. Get off my dad, she says. Get off my dad. So they're pulling him off and this whole altercation is happening. In the meantime, Bradley, of course, gets hit in the face from Jesse's feet kicking, get this guy off of me. So he's got, I think, a bloody nose or something, nothing real severe. And he's like, I'm calling the sheriff and I'm friends with the sheriff. It's like, oh boy, here we go. And uh, he goes, cowboys are coming. So pretty soon these two other guys show up, threaten to kill these missionaries. You can see in the picture there, it's, it's Jesse's the tall one, then his son, uh, who has his arm around his daughter on the far right, the other two stayed home, the mom and the 14 year old daughter. So they're out there in this weird altercation where this guy will not back off, will not back off. Um, so bethany had um her little brother josiah the 12 year old she got him in the car to safety he was smart enough to take a picture of the guys of bradley's license plate and it proves in that picture which will come out in court i'm sure that there was that he could anybody could easily get around on the easement it was a wide space in the road nobody was blocking anybody from anything there was no illegal activity happening uh, Brad had like a hotspot, so he's calling sheriffs. He's calling his friends. The friends are coming, threatening to kill these guys. Uh, he's going, and they're going. You better get out of here. We're going to kill you. So Jesse Boyd and his and his family, they take off. They leave. They immediately want to call the sheriff, right? Tell their side of the story. Gosh, we need help. So they call nine one one. They and it's all recorded on nine one one. This whole story, what's happening, so forth, right? Well, what ends up happening is that when the sheriff gets there. They have guns and tasers on these people, on the missionaries. They, uh, The 12-year-old son, I mean, imagine you got this young kid. He's in tears, right? There's mm-hmm. guns and tasers mm-hmm. and a pile of people there, sheriffs and so on. Uh, it, it was just crazy. They separate him. They take him with CPS. Um, they take uh, one of the missionaries, Eric Trent, ended up going, I think, to Jefferson County to a jail, Bradley. And I'm um, excuse me, Jesse Boyd and his partner, uh, and his daughter ended up in Gallatin County in a jail. But where this really, the crux of this whole thing is, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I have one of my articles here, and I'm gonna explain to you why these articles are so important. And that one that you have there, that has the puzzle pieces to it, I urge everybody to read that because even though this story is getting out to some outlets, no one really but myself has the real legal documents and the full testimony of Jesse Boyd, the arrest and the assault. He was literally like John Bunyan in a jail cell, in solitary confinement, writing this story up. But that one that you have the puzzle pieces to has like nine articles from the very beginning up till now. But I'm going to read out of one. I have my computer here. I'm going to read this really quick. And the problem is that there were affidavits that were signed, right? And they would not let these guys give their true testimony. So we have this Bradley playing the victim, there is and the and the affidavits are against these good missionaries. And this is what uh, Jesse Boyd said. He goes, these sloppy and inconsistent affidavits were the entire basis for charging us with aggravated assault and incarcerating us. These sloppy and vague little paragraphs that do not agree with each other and contain inexcusable gram- grammatical errors. Noticeably and completely absent are any references to the five eyewitnesses. That's him and his group of missionaries, test any eyewitness testimonies that this individual made threats of bodily harm. Bradley had, had, you know, threatened them, got out of his car or made the first physical contact. He threw the first punch, tackled someone who was Jesse to the ground and struck him multiple times. It goes into this whole thing. The issue here is, is the police, is the, the gal, excuse me, the Madison County Sheriff. So watch, it says the officer who was a who was a sheriff says, who subscribed and swore to these affidavits violated Montana state law Provision 45-3-112 states plainly when an investigation is conducted by a peace officer, right, a sheriff or so on, of an incident that appears to have or is alleged to have involved justifiable use of force, the investigation must be conducted so as to disclose all evidence, including testimony concerning the alleged offense and that might support the apparent or alleged justifiable use of force. So what it's saying here is the sheriff signs off on this. These guys get no testimony. This Bradley runs free. He even did not reveal this the sheriff to the judge. These guy, these four adults, not Josiah because he's 12 years old, but the four missionary adults literally have the charges on them are assault and battery. All they're doing is trying to, you know, self-defend. Fifty thousand dollar bonds. 20 years in prison it's outrageous it's outrageous what's going on um he it's nuts so the sheriff and so they'll
1: yeah go ahead so so they're they're going to have to literally face a a judge on this and and have been charged
5: so yes so in madison county in municipal court on december 13th these guys went home for a while oh they all have ankle ankle monitors on the four adults, this is crazy.
4: Oh they all goodness. went home
5: while they drove home to North Carolina. They have to come back to the municipal court in Madison County on December 13th, right? And have this whole hearing. But their their lawyer that jumped into the scene is very famous. He was the first lawyer, his name is John Pierce. He was involved in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial in the beginning. Uh, he's been involved with you know Capitol Hill protest protester cases, 20 of them. Um, he's dealt with, you know, dismissed George Papalopoulos, and he's dealt with uh, Lenny Dykstra. He's he's represented some extremely famous people. He's had clients like Tulsi Gabbard, Mayor uh, Rudy Giuliani. So these guys have, it's crazy. They they have really good, strong representation. And it's nuts. It's just not getting picked up by the press the way it should. There's a few places out there that are interviewing them and but it's not really gone viral and it needs to. It's a huge thing. Jesse is like, this is, I talk to Jesse all the time. I've spent hours on this project with him. I'm the only one that really has his full testimony of the arrest and the assault. And I'm the only one that has the true affidavits out there also linked to all of those articles. So, And also this Bradley went off on Trump and QAnon and bragged about being a part of those things. And in a red county, these are the things that happen to these God-fearing missionaries. And Jesse goes, "I've, I've served the Lord all over the world. He goes, I have never had such rogue authority ever. Unaccountable, good old boy, sheriff authority in this little Madison County where it's just insidious this ought not to be happening so i the big thing going on here is even world news did did a story on it but they don't have the documents i have they did a story they did an interview with jesse and so forth but i'm the one who has the full it's almost like what you would see in a court of law right got the david and i have it all And all all people have to do of every article you have there it's just the one with the puzzle pieces that keeps linking back and linking the puzzle
1: pieces is the most important one and we'll put it um in the description, and also people asking. So, what is uh, what is the um, the URL to go to? So, if you're talking about for what my news source is, yes,
5: is that I'm yeah to just get that Montana puzzle piece one with the, with, the, with the number one montanafirstnews.com is the name of my news source. And God just brought this to me because it ended up being on Facebook when they were in jail. And a, a guy that I know, a good man named John Lamb, was their kind of advocate who lives in that area. And he had never met them before, and he just kept putting stuff on Facebook. Then I caught attention to it. This has happened like three weeks ago, and it's still like... It's just nuts that it's not out there to the degree that it is. That's why I called Arter. I'm like, please, you understand persecution from the authorities.
1: Yes, but yes. Jesse's, it was Arter Pulowski uh, for everyone. Yeah. In my audience will know him well. But he basically said, Laurelin, you got to follow up on this. Uh, what's going on? Because uh, it doesn't make sense. So when things don't make sense, you know, Brenda, right. then you start looking for what is really behind this. What's going on? well it's very much a spiritual
5: war uh it seems like because they were hurling the lord's name in vain and you and your cross and get your jesus blank 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 out a totally demonic
1: attack basically against these beautiful people So now
5: of course now they're not walking right they're not walking right now they're stationed at home they have ankle monitors on they're trying to deal with this whole mess and in every single article there i've linked back to a way that people can support them because this is like i mean it was 5000 bucks a crack just to get each of them out of there on bond to begin with now they have to travel from north carolina all the way back out here for this hearing it's just expense after expense, you know, ankle monitors, crazy stuff. But what they did to the 12 year old son, can you imagine just oh, having guns? And heartbreaking. Uh, they handcuffed that young boy behind his back and another sheriff drove him down the road, right down there to go talk. Uh, so the sh- one of those sheriffs could go talk to this Brad Terrell at his business there. And they left the kid in the backseat with his handcuffs on. I mean, just crazy stuff going on. So, um. We have a high-powered lawyer coming into the scene. We have these persecuted missionaries, but the thing with Jesse Boyd that he keeps putting out on social media is he's still in disbelief. He goes, I've been all over the world, and this is like something in a banana republic, a third world country. This should not be happening in the United States, and it shouldn't. Um, And I'm going to keep up with it all the way along, and I keep putting up article after article, and it's interesting that God chose me, this little news source in Montana, but Uh. uh, he knows that I won't, I'm not altering anything. I'm, you know, I'm cleaning up a little grammar here and there, commas, periods, whatever, but I'm keeping what Jesse wants in there. And um, they want it all exposed nationwide, worldwide, because it's crazy. Wow. And so, like I said, in every article I've done on them, there's a way to link back and help these missionaries. Okay. They're godly, they're wonderful. Yeah. Even the prosecutor was like, These are a bunch of homeless vagabonds. No, they have a nice home. They I mean they live back east. And if anybody wants to donate to me, I don't thwart anybody from reading. I don't have, people don't have to subscribe to read. They can read freely. I have a donor box that people can give from the heart or send a check because I've literally worked eight and nine and 10 hours a day on this for a week easily. There's yeah. just so much to it. So much, but we want the real documents out there. We did. So it's, yeah. it's pretty incredible. And we're going to, I'm going to keep up with it. And there's going to be more coming out for sure Good for you brenda so that, they,
1: i and i i'd like to hear please uh, send us updates and people will want to hear uh this is a shocking story it could happen to anybody who's you know standing up for what's right and out there uh you know a voice crying in the wilderness so to speak and you end up in montana i thought i thought montana was a pretty nice place till you hear this <laughs> and that's and a red
5: county and for the most part it is but you know there's something that people don't know, and I'm going to keep up with this as well. Is now people are coming out of the woodwork, going, "Oh, I was abused and neglected by the sheriffs there. Oh, I've had trouble with the sheriffs there," oh. and and really, there's a generational thing, I think, because you know, they, they yeah. say that this the rogue sheriffs in that town, and many. Not I'm not saying all of them, but yeah. there's been activity of this going on for somebody said a hundred years. It goes way back. Oh, that's wow.
1: So maybe there's there's something's happened here that's going to expose that. And it's ultimately going to be a very good thing. Yes.
5: And that's what Jesse said. This isn't just about me. This isn't just about my missionaries, my family and everything. This is about exposing corruption in this, this County. Right. And it, oh, it's a huge thing. It should go, it should go nationwide. So I'd urge everybody to read these articles, to send it to everyone, you know, to get it out on other sources, because it's, The people who know what's going on, we're all in disbelief. We're still, Jesse's still in shock. He goes, I can't believe this happened in little
1: Madison County, you know, rogue,
5: right? Uh, Crazy.
1: Absolutely. Well, uh, it is shocking. And uh, thank you so much, Brenda, for your keyboard uh, warriorship. Uh, You're keeping the story going and you're covering it very well. Uh, we look yep. forward to hearing more and getting an update and seeing this completely exonerated. And as well, maybe a bit of justice for this county, you know, having a, a history, you know, a few hundred years of a problem,
5: a hundred well, years right. of a problem going on. Exactly. And the fact that you have John Pierce, who is a high-powered yes, lawyer. Yes, John Pierce Constitutional on. Yeah. government overreach. Cases. amazing that's a big one yeah he stepped in and so it's like oh and then you will see a lot of nationwide coverage as that happens we're just yes. kind of trying to get it out there and get it out there because then I'll be reporting on the the hearing yeah um as several friends of mine are gonna go to that and then Jesse will report back to me but yes just pray for all of us and okay. donate as feel as you feel led and and keep reading my source because I've got these documents and yes. so yeah. Fantastic,
1: Lord, Brenda. Keep Rape it up. Life. You're Thank you you're so a gal much. after my own heart. I absolutely love it. Thank you. Uh, Thank and you we, so we pray for them. We pray for justice for them. Thank you. Yes, we'll keep in touch. Thank you so okay. much. Have a Bye-bye. great day. Bye. Thank you. All right. Um, oh, it's been a long one. We're we're always saying that we have to do you know short shows and then uh, they're not short shows. Um, I did want to mention. That um, I'm very grieved today and very sad to hear that uh, a dear friend, Sharon Wager, has, uh, well, she has graduated to her next, um, her next place in eternity and she passed away yesterday and we're very, very sorry to hear this. Uh, she, I think, had a diagnosis of cancer recently and, um, and she's gone very, very quickly So uh, we're very sorry. She is a woman that I just admired so much. Her and her husband, well, her husband was my principal in school, so you can imagine. He certainly knows I'm a handful. And um, wonderful people who served in Uganda, East Africa, for many, many years. She was fluent in Lugandan, so she was just brilliant. You know, this white woman who could communicate because she was... Uh, Raised there in Uganda, the same as me, when we were young. Our parents were there together. The Lazelles were her parents and my parents, the Freemans. So um, she's gone and uh, very, very grieved and sorry for the family. and Very, very difficult. We pray for God's comfort, Uh, someone who has gone much too soon. It's very sad. So... um, want to also just remind you that we've got a huge event coming up with Pastor Archer Pulowski and Dr. William Macus in Vancouver, December 7th at 7. We um, are hoping for everyone to come out because we have got a huge room and I had to put a pretty penny down uh, to get us into the Croatian Cultural Center and it's worth it because we just cannot afford to have a small facility where no one can get in. We've got a huge facility. All are welcome. Come early. Get your seat. It is gonna be a firecracker of an evening. And Alicio Ibarra will be doing the music and the band has been resurrected so that we can have some incredible worship music. And as well for all of you, I think Steve Merrill will be on the show on Monday. Steve is the guy that we trust regarding gold and silver. We've had him on. And I think it's important that you have just sort of a sense of who you're dealing with. We like Steve and he knows all about the business and has been in it forever and um, understands gold and silver and why it's a very, very good investment right now. And you might be thinking of getting some Sovereignize at ProtonMail.com that is how you can contact him. He will get in touch with you immediately and he takes care of it, answers your questions. And I think, um, I think you get a silver bullet, like literally a silver bullet, which of course we all need because it kills vampires. And, um, and you get that if you place, I don't know, an order over $5,000. I don't know. Hopefully Steve, you're still giving people that deal. It's just that it was a cool deal and He actually said he was like losing all his silver bullets. So that's really good. (laughs) Uh, I want to leave you. um, Have we covered everything, JT? I feel like I'm, I just want to make sure. All right. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, Let me leave you with something special. Amen. Amen. Oh, that's a lot of information. I get a bit sad when I think about what we're facing, but I get really comforted when I think about the Lord and what He has for us. Um, I was up in the night, had my Bible gateway on, and uh, was going through a few... Scriptures. I don't. I don't know if you're doing that right now, but I do encourage all of you that if you want to keep yourself topped up and feeling that you've got a lot of gas in your motor for keeping strong in the faith during these times, um, that it's it's just good to be in the Word, and it's a really simple thing to put on your Bible Gateway app. It's not even an app. You just go to the website BibleGateway.com. And then you, you could start like, let's say John 1 and you just press play. There's a little, um, like a, what do you call those? You know, a little, uh, you, you press it. It's like the, it's a little emblem. Yeah. Of a speaker. Thank you for your help. Uh, and you press the speaker and then you can, you can, and it'll just read to you for hours. It's absolutely fantastic. Also, the other day, I was just playing some worship music so that any demon who wants to hang out with me, he's got to listen to worship music. Michael W. Smith, you know, and the lot. There, it's all like, I have some really good songs that I play. In 1 Thessalonians 4, it says, As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. Wow. How do you please God? As in fact you are living, Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this for, to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans, do not know God, aren't we seeing that these days? You know, the dark side of the pedophiles is coming out. The pagans, those who have no control over their sexual lusts and their lasciviousness, it's all coming out and it's making them look like fools. And at the same time, we're in a world where we have to defend our families and our children Do not live like them. Take control of your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins, as we told you and warned you before, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. And that seems like something almost impossible in this day and age. But you know what? I know it is possible. We can separate ourselves, sanctify ourselves. And that really starts in our mind. Be pure. I'm telling you something. We can't afford to be not walking with God right now. I've loved being here with you. Thank you for being here with me. Have a great weekend. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support.